Well, just a couple days ago, the Pew Research Group published a new study that found that when Americans were asked what religion they practice, more than one in four of them said none. Now, most people in this category said that they were raised to be religious, and the majority were actually raised in Christian households, and yet they no longer considered themselves to be Christian. The majority of these nuns said they still believe either in God or some kind of higher power, and then about half of the people that answered none said they still consider themselves to be spiritual, though they don't necessarily identify with a particular religion. I've always been kind of fascinated by this concept of spiritual but not religious. And I think right now we are in a season where a lot of people that are stepping away from faith are still deeply spiritual, um, but are not necessarily interested in church or organized religion as a whole for one reason or another. Now, in many cases, I completely understand why people have kind of stepped away from the church, particularly for folks that have had a lot of deep hurt from church communities that they have been a part of or from individuals that have caused hurt or harm in churches in the past. And I also realize that culturally, we're in a season of renegotiating what church looks like and means like means for us, both in the United States as well as around the globe. And while I realize that on a lot of days, this renegotiation can feel so hard and so difficult, particularly for those of us uh, for whom church is really important and that kind of grew up in the church and have seen right now that we are in a season of transition where we are kind of in flux and the church as we have known it is changing. And at the same time, even though all of the statistics will tell you right now that church is trending kind of in the wrong direction, for some reason, I have found myself to be the most hopeful I've ever been about the future of the church. This is a time that I think is filled with a lot of opportunities for us collectively to dream and reimagine of what church at its best can be and look like. And this morning, we're going to spend our time talking about just that, you know, dreaming about what church uh, might be able to look like as God imagines it for us. So two weeks ago, if you were with us, you may remember that we also talked about transformed life. We talked about how if we want to live a life that is transformed by our faith, then our faith simply cannot be a side hustle. It has to be something that isn't something we just take off the shelf for an hour or two a week, but that transforms the fullness of our lives. And it's been really fun to get to hear all of you processing throughout this entire series of This Changes Everything or Jesus' Birth Changes Everything. And particularly the last couple of weeks, uh, I've heard a lot of stories from y'all as you've been processing kind of the concept of faith not being a side hustle. Some of you have even told me that you've put it on your wall or somewhere where you will see that kind of question, is my faith a side hustle in my life? Uh, day after day, so you can be reminded of kind of what that looks like in your own life. And today we are picking back up on that same thread of the conversation as we spend some time dreaming not just about what a transformed life might look like, but what a transformed church might look like for us. And before we get to our scripture, I do think it's important to name that because churches are human-made institutions, like they always are flawed. And sadly, they will never be able to live up to the fullness of what I think church at its best is supposed to be. So if you have ever been told that you're not welcome in church, or if you have been excluded for one reason or another, or have been kind of caused harm to you because of the church. I just want to take a second this morning to start by saying, like, gosh, I am so deeply sorry that that has been your experience of church. 
I am heartbroken that somebody somewhere along the way has told you that our loving and gracious God would not want there to be a space in God's church for you. Now, I know we all come with different stories and our families all come with different stories. And we likely have also had a spectrum of experiences with church from the most beautiful experiences to kind of the most horrific. And today I can't fix anything that's been done in the past or might have caused harm or hurt. But what I can say is that I dream about the day in the church where there is nobody that desires to be in church that doesn't feel also welcome to participate in church. I dream about the day when church doesn't have to come with baggage because it is a place that is filled to the brim with love and belonging such that anybody that interacts with church, whether here or anywhere else, is able to most fully experience the love of our God. As we dream about church at its best, I will start by looking at the very first church in Acts chapter 2 that teaches us some beautiful things about what it can look like when we are church together. Now, if you are not familiar with the book of Acts chapter two, then, oh gosh, I'm just going to invite you to buckle up. Uh, I would encourage you to read the fullness of Acts chapter two. It is a little bit wild, kind of all of the things that are happening there at once. But before we get to our scripture at the end of the chapter, there are a bunch of things that happen. So since we're not going to have time to read all of it, I'll just give you the Cliff Notes version. Holy Spirit is poured out at Pentecost. This is what has come to be known as now the birthday of the church. And all of these people that have gathered around are talking in different languages. And the scene is just so chaotic that people start asking, like, are all of these people drunk? Like, what is going on? And Peter has maybe one of the best opening lines to a sermon ever, where he says, like, they are not drunk. It is only nine o'clock in the morning. <laughs> that is not what's going on here. And then Peter continues to preach uh, one of the very best sermons. And all of these people kind of hear the message and invitation of our God and choose to be baptized that day. There are thousands of people that are baptized on this birthday of the church day. And gosh, like they are completely changed forever because of this experience that they have on this day of Pentecost. So we will start in verse 42 to see kind of what this transformation looks like for them. And we'll kind of unpack it as we go along. So if you're following along, we're starting in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. So these are all of the things that people that have now been baptized and have kind of joined in this community together have started doing. Um, and then it says that all came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and held all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, they spent much time together in the temple. They broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. Y'all, this scripture paints a really beautiful picture of what the church can be as it tells the story of this very first church as they learned from the apostles, as they ate together and prayed together, as they held all things in common and distributed their wealth so no one had need, either in their community or in the community around them. Uh, one thing that I'm convicted of by this series of scriptures, though there are many, is that we see that people are baptized and believe in Jesus. 
And then we see pretty much immediately that their lives look different because of that. Uh, they eat with this community. They, If they had money or resources, they shared so no one had need. And in doing so, everyone was enriched by this community as they distributed so nobody around them had need. This is not a community that simply adopted a new set of beliefs while some in their community went hungry or while some in their community did not yet know how to pray. But this scripture reminds us that this invitation to Jesus is to a new way of life, one that is marked by community, but also by equity and care of all people, such that no one in the community would ever have need because of the ways in which they were looking after one another so beautifully. Uh, this weekend, we are going to be wrapping up uh, Discovery, and this is a retreat that our high schoolers put on for our middle school students here at the church. And the goal of the retreat is for the middle schoolers to get to experience the love of God in so many different ways. And they get to learn more about kind of what it looks like to grow in their faith, to be disciples. And I mean, it is just the most fun and full weekend and a lot of you have made this weekend possible, so maybe you have signed up to pray for our students at some point throughout the weekend. Maybe you have been an adult small group leader, or maybe you donated some snacks at the church, or maybe you even are kind of individually or as a part of a group put together some clues or these small reminders for these students of just how loved they are. And we had a, a giant signup of people that were making these kind of what we're calling clues or just reminders that these students are so loved by God. And there were a bunch of them, but some of my favorites are one group had fireballs that had a little sign on it that said, get fired up for Christ. Uh, another person had mini erasers that said, God's love can't be erased. And lastly, but probably my favorite, is our youth director, Mackenzie, uh, signed up to bring earplugs. And they had a note on them that said, God always listens when you talk. So even if you have earplugs in, don't want to hear the people around you, like God will always hear you. I truly love retreats like this that kind of show community and church at its best, where we are caring for one another, where we're able to learn and grow in our faith, and where we each offer what we have to kind of the community around us so that all can experience the love of our God. Friends, the church is not simply a place designed to give you a new set of beliefs, but rather when we are living in a church at our very best, it is a way of life, a way of life that is not marked by fences around who is in or who is out. It's not a set of black and white beliefs or teachings, but it's a way of life in which we are invited to experience the overflowing love of our God. I believe with every fiber of my being that we are not designed to live in isolation but that we are designed to live in community together. And I think that church at its best can be a beautiful reflection of God's hope and desire for all of us living in community together. And church at our best or community at our best is not when we spend the majority of our time when we are gathered together asking or debating who is in or who is out or what's right or wrong, but rather church community at our best is when we spend the majority of our time asking who does not yet have a seat at this table and are they hungry? And are there any barriers that exist that are keeping somebody that wants to be at this table from being able to have an equal seat where they can sit and feast at the table of our God? I think church at its best is always asking these sorts of questions. Uh, whenever I teach our new members class, I always take some time to read through our membership vows because I think they are 
not necessarily what we expect when we think about you know, what are the expectations of us when we join a church community. And yet I think these questions that we ask each time someone comes to join our church or to bring a child for baptism teach us a bit about what church at its best can look like. Uh, we begin by asking this first question. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Y'all, this is a huge question. I mean, I don't know about you. I certainly do not spend my days thinking about how I am rejecting the spiritual forces of wickedness and the evil powers of this world. At least I don't in that language. Uh, and yet, I love that we ask this question because I think it acknowledges that the world that we live in is not a perfect place. But we do get to have agency. And we do have agency in being able to resist evil and injustice around us. And the next question that we ask, it kind of asks about this very agency, asking us to name that. It says, do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? This is a question that is at the core of what it is to be church. Do we resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? And after both of these questions are asked, we ask kind of a so what question. That if you not only renounce wickedness and reject evil and repent of your sin, and if you accept the freedom that God gives us to resist evil and justice and oppression, then you will serve Jesus in union with the church. So we ask, do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior? Put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord and union with the church, which Christ is open to people of all ages, nations, and races. So at the center of our vows as members of the church, we agree to live out our faith through the church, recognizing that Christ has opened wide the doors of the church such that there should be no barriers at who is invited to have a seat at the table. Now, I'm not going to claim to understand everybody's story, uh, particularly everybody's story who has walked away from church. But I know I can say that I've had the privilege of getting to hear a lot of stories of people for whom this has been their experience. And I can say that most often the stories that I hear of people that have had bad experiences with church or who have chosen not to participate in organized religion anymore, they've chosen to do so because in one way or another, they felt like the church was not living into these kinds of vows. The church was not living into church at its best. In some cases, this has been because they experienced boundaries around who was welcome at the table in others, it was because they experienced a church that was preaching one thing, saying this is what it means to be a part of our community, and also acting in a way that was inconsistent or incongruent with that. I realize that everyone's story is complex and nuanced, as I mentioned earlier, because there is brokenness in the world, the church too often misses the mark as we strive to live into God's invitation in our lives. I will be the first to admit that uh, we're not perfect. This church is not perfect. No church is perfect. But I will say that as I can reflect on what this means for us, I think what breaks my heart the most is knowing that we can spend all day, every day inside the walls of the church. Um, it can be this church or any church, really. And we can never be different or more like Jesus because we have. This is kind of my greatest fear, that we can spend all day, every day inside the walls of the church and never be different or more like Jesus because we have. Friends, merely showing up at church does not equal life transformation or, or life change. Merely putting in some hours to serve does not 
work like a cosmic bending machine where our lives are magically transformed because we have put in two hours of service. But rather, our lives are transformed by the work of God in our midst when we offer ourselves to God day after day, acknowledging that we desire to give of ourselves such that our lives might look more like Jesus. This work is not work that happens in an instant, but rather it happens across a lifetime as we trust God's work in each of our lives individually, such that when we come together as a church body collectively, we can aim to reflect the love and grace and care of our God and the community around us. I've gotten to see countless times that we have been and that I have gotten to experience across my lifetime church at our best. When we have shown up with meal after meal after meal for families that are just going through it and don't have the time or energy to put food on their table, but that when they're going to chemo or radiation or appointment after appointment, they can know they don't have to worry about putting food on their table because their church community has shown up and there's already food there kind of taken care of and anticipated the needs that they have. I've gotten to see our church community spend countless hours in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic asking the question, how can we love and care for our neighbors um, in this season at our best? And we spent years asking that question and spending our time and resources, like just giving away what we had so that if we had anything to do with it, our community did not have need. Friends, church community at our best is the most beautiful thing to get to witness. When people who felt like, gosh, I don't belong and I'm never going to have a community can find a place of love and belonging where youth and kids can show up and have access to learning more about the love of our God and being reminded that they have a seat at the table that was created just for them. Uh, no matter if other places in work or school or wherever they've felt like, gosh, I'm not invited or welcome here. I dream of the day when church looks like that for all people, not just here, but everywhere. And Gosh, I could go on for hours and hours about stories, both of my own experiences uh, and stories that I've heard from many of you about what church at its best looks like. And as we commit ourselves to this work, though, I'm going to invite us in a few minutes to pray a prayer together that will it'll be up on the screen. This prayer is called the Wesley Covenant Prayer, and it's written by John Wesley, the founder of our denomination. And it's one that he invited early Methodist communities to pray together at the beginning of each new year. They remembered their baptismal covenant and marked the entrance into the life of the church together. The covenant prayer helps us remember what this Jesus way of life looks like, and what loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and loving our neighbors as ourselves kind of not only looks like, but all that that requires of us. And in this prayer, we have changed the pronouns from first person singular of words like I and me to first person plural pronouns like we and us. To remind us that this isn't just a prayer that we are praying individually, but that our collective hope as we pray these words and even sing these words together in a moment is that we would aim to live into church at our best together. And I will warn you before we pray these words that they are bold, dare I even say dangerous words. We're about to say things like, let us have all things, let us have nothing, put us to doing, put us to suffering. So I don't invite you to say these words lightly, but I do invite you to pray these words with a God-sized imagination 
for what church might look like if we are to live into the fullness of these words, giving ourselves to our God day after day for this transformative work. Let us pray together. We are no longer our own, but yours. Put us to what you will. Place us with whom you will. Put us to doing. Put us to suffering. Let us be put to work for you or set aside for you. Praised for you or criticized for you. Let us be full. Let us be empty. Let us have all things. Let us have nothing. We freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service. And now, O wonderful and holy God, creator, redeemer, and sustainer, you are ours and we are yours, so be it. In the covenant which we have made on earth, let it also be made in heaven. Amen. Well, it's been great to worship with you together during this time. Uh, We'd love to invite you to come and join us for worship in person or online, live on Sunday mornings or throughout the week. You can find more information about our worship times or worship with us online at fvumc.org. And while you're there, uh, you can find plenty of ways to connect with us, uh, whether that's uh, connecting in sort of an opportunity for community around here or serving the greater Fuquay community around us. Uh, So we'd love to invite you to join us for those. If this is a resource that provides you spiritual sustenance and you'd like to partner with us in making it possible for everyone else, while you're there, at the top right-hand corner, there's a button that says give, or you can go to feumc.org slash give and make a gift there that makes the mission and ministry of this place possible. We're so thankful for everyone who partners with us uh, to do just that. Listen, it's been great. It's been great to be together with you uh, in this moment, and we look forward to worshiping again with you real soon. We'll see you then.